In September 2004, 15 sportsmen who had chalked huge successes in their fields were inducted into a Ghana Sports Hall of Fame. It was an initiative instituted by the then Minister of Youth and Sports, Kojo Baredu. It was Baredu's dream that Ghana's sportsmen would be honored for how well they did in putting the country on the map. The 15 who were honored were in athletics, Alice Anum and Rose Hart. For amateur boxing, Aikote, Eddie Blay, Sule Shitu, and Roy Ankara. Professional boxing had just one name, Azuma Nelson. Football had CK Jenfi for his many contributions to Ghana's early successes at the Africa Cup of Nations. The dependable defender Ado Damite, Reverend Osei Kofi, Kofi Pare, Agrifin, and then the maestro Abedi Ayopele. In sports administration, the man who walked into the Hall of Fame was Dr. Yao in Kansajani. And the last but not least, Captain Andy Sam. Andy Sam? Who was he? Why him? Many people asked questions, including journalist Eva Autry, whose article on the man became national news. She titled it, The Unexpected Hall of Famer. That's an interesting throwback for me. Um, Mr. Sam, so I've known him over the period and um, every now and then we get to interact. Um, interesting piece, that one, 2004. You know, I, I knew him in football circles as CEO of Ashanti Gold. So he was synonymous with football as far as I was concerned until his name popped up on the list um, of Hall of Famous. And I was intrigued, you know, because he was not being, he was not being honored for his exploits in football administration as I knew him for, but rather for a lesser sport, hockey. So that's where my interest peaked, and I wanted to know about his exploits in that um, field of hockey. And um, what I found blew my mind, and I thought that it was a story worth pursuing, and so that's how the article came about. and this is the haymaker the podcast that seeks to tell Ghanaian sports stories distinctively and give meaning to the greatness of yesteryear if you're listening thank you if you're listening let the world know this is the haymaker this this is the haymaker the haymaker the haymaker on this episode of The Haymaker, we are taking a look at hockey in Ghana. The sport's glory years of the 70s that saw Ghana win a few titles in African competitions with an insight from the captain of the side who orchestrated everything. 
It is a Monday afternoon, and in all of the madness of life in Accra on Mondays, I have come to Adringano to meet Captain Andisam. His house, a big semi-detached home, stands on about two acres of land, which he tells me he bought 30 years ago. Sam was seated in his veranda alone reading a newspaper when I got there. Like a true man who grew up in the old Ghanaian household, he got up, greeted me, and offered me some water. I am sure you are wondering who this guy is. For many of you listening to this podcast, it is probably the first time you are hearing a name like that in your lives. Well, Andy Sam, the Captain Andy Sam, is a retired military officer who served in the 70th years of insurrections in Ghana. He worked under General Ikea Champong, worked in the SMC two years, until the coup in 1979. We will get to the tough bits of his story later. Despite being in the army though, he was a star on the track, on the football field, was a hard man with a cricket bat, and an even bigger star on a hockey pitch. Let me start from 1974. Okay. The hockey team of which you were captain mm-hmm. won the African competition. How was that like? It was a surprise. You know, but it all started from, let's say, after the coup in 72. You know, the head of state himself became the commissioner for sports. And he took so much interest in sports. And he, he put Kenneth Simpia Santi as a special assistant, you know. So some of us had direct access. Hockey is strictly a military sport. There were a lot of military people. When I joined from school a long time ago, but gradually, he went down, and even currently is a, is a Cessa, which is promoting uh, hockey. So there was there was that kind of interest, and uh, half of the team that went to Cairo, out of the sixteen players, eight were from the military, because mm. the armed forces was the most powerful force at the time. We were winning almost everything, and our hockey was so very simple. I told the boys the philosophy that hockey is not like football where you can score a goal from 50 yards. You have to put the ball in a certain 20, 25 yard circle before you can score. So let's get the ball there as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And because we are, as military people we are fit, we will run you down within the 70 minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. And that's how we, we became champions. In Andy's words, Ghana's brand of hockey was simple. It was called power hockey. A lot of running but with the skill to control the ball beautifully and get it to the right areas for a goal to be scored. Ghana went into the first ever African Hockey Championship in Egypt in 1974 as the lowest-ranked team. In the first game, they took on the host Egypt in a grueling game. Looking on was the then-president of Egypt, Anwar el-Sadat, Fatia Nkrumah and Ghana's ambassador to Egypt at the time, General Sisi Bruce. The Ghana team beat Egypt in front of their home fans by one goal to nil. Ghana went on to beat Kenya in the next game and then beat Uganda in the other game. It was one win after the other for Ghana. Everybody we, we met, we beat them. And we were deserved champions. Uh, it, 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 was, it was an incredible moment. Sam remembers every single one of the members of that team that led Ghana to glory in 1974. Awonyo Akaba was the goalkeeper and vice-captain. There was Kwame Saramensa, 
who later became secretary of the PNDC, Tony Tenge, Edward Ewanyameche, who also held the chairmanship role at the Ghana Football Association years later, Joseph Amwakon, Kwesi Ahoy, who also became a minister of states and a high commissioner to South Africa. Kwesi Korte also became an ambassador for the African Union. Michael Ofori, George Nti, Emmanuel Apao, Ali Mahama, Joseph Alipo, Emmanuel Osei, and Ernest Abwaje. They were coached by Ashale Okain, who had been instrumental in their successes. Some spared some time to talk about his beloved coach. He was easy to go, easy, easy going. And he was technically gifted. He himself was a player technically gifted, but he learned. When I started playing hockey after school, this was in 69, we had a coach called Sapa Singh, who came from uh, India. And he really changed a whole lot of things, you know, about, about, about Ghana hockey. What year was that? This was, uh, I met him in 69, then I went to the military. I was in the national team, then I went to the military mm-hmm. in late 69, then I went to Sandhurst for two years. So when I came back from in 1972, mm-hmm. this is when I went back to the team, and then we started our progress towards uh, Africa. So we, ha- we had a very good, and you know, JJ Johnny was also an administrator, mm-hmm. and he, they gave us everything that we wanted. It wasn't exceptional. You know, we didn't, when we came back African champions, they didn't even give us houses or anything of the sort like they did the 1978. But for us, we serve our country. Now, I mean, um, 74, you win the, the African championship. You're back in Ghana. What was the reception like? Terrible. I remember they gave us, even the worst one was uh, even when we came back from the World Cup. They gave us just money to, for, for us to go home. I think it was five cities or something like those There was no pump at the airport? Nothing. I have written no, no television appearances? Nothing. Winning the Africa Hockey Championship in 1974 meant an opportunity to play at the World Cup a year later. For context, Ghana's national hockey team was the first national team in any sport in this country to qualify for a World Cup, and they did it in 1975, 31-odd years before the Black Stars made it to the World Cup in 2006. And even before the Black Stars, the Black Queens had done it seven years earlier, in 1999, when they became the first senior national football team to make it to the World Cup. So the hockey team was a big deal in Ghana in the 1970s. Ghana had prepared adequately for the World Cup. A first World Cup needed a good showing and they were poised to deliver that. Ghana's hockey was so good, it prompted a report from the then hockey correspondent at the Guardian newspaper, Pat Rowley. These were Rowley's words in the Guardian newspaper. Ghana, Nigeria and Uganda all beat Egypt. These countries have improved considerably, but not to the extent of making a major impact in a sport as technical as hockey. They do not have great technique, but besides speed, they have wonderful eyes. They stop the ball dead however wild the pass and are so strong on the reverse side. What will shake the Europeans is the speed of their counter-attack. Ghana, who will be in England's group at the World Cup, have just the man to capitalize on the quick long pass upfield, Ernest Abwaje. His understanding with Sam, the Ghanaian captain and inside right, was superb. Ghana deserved to win at Cairo because they were a strong all-round team. They also have a fine goalkeeper in Awonyo Akaba and an excellent left-back in Sarah Mensah and a competent centre-half 
Alipo. For us, I mean, it was, I can't say that it was a dream come true because it's not something that we dreamed about yeah. before 74. We love the hockey, we love the game, and we love to play. And even when we went to Africa, nobody gave us a chance that we'll qualify. And even when we qualify, we never had, you know, any hope that the money would be raised for us to go. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, uh, the head of state, Simpia Santi, they did all they could. They took us on a training tour to uh, Barcelona, you know, before we went to, in January or so, before we went to Kuala Lumpur. And that was very useful. But being, that, being, be, being the first African team to the World Cup, South Africa is the a, is a leading country even now. But because of apartheid, mm. they were not there yeah. and for us to go mm. it was it was it, it was something that we never dreamed of mm. i mean there was no way we could have even thought about we were good in that good enough that hockey team of 1975 like many ghana teams in preparation for international competitions were set back because of politics in the team a faction of the players were not particularly happy at the appointment of sam as the team captain also after the win in egypt a few more hockey players who had played the game part-time had begun to take it extra seriously, knowing that the team was heading to a World Cup. Remember those days? Those were the days of uh, essential commodities. Even you couldn't buy fridges, you couldn't buy this thing. So normally when we travel, because I played cricket at the same time, so when I travel, that's where you do all your shopping. You buy your clothes, you buy this, even sometimes soap and things. That's when you do all those things. So there was that clamor. The first political thing that happened was that uh, there was there was a, there was a mini coup mm. where Major S. B. Ochri decided to use his military system to oust another, you know, commander who was taking us there. So there was a change in uh, uh, team managership. Players had to be chosen by merit, who had been in the team, served and still had the energy to help the team. Two teammates missed out and they were replaced. But at the airport, the two who were replaced showed up to travel. So out of the 16 players who were meant to travel that day, 18 of them showed up. Kerfafu broke out and something had to be done. We got to the airport, instead of 16 players, there were 18 players there. Okay, the 16 players were now plus, you know, so I got to the airport and I, I called Mrs. Okun, who was the, the leader of the delegation. I called Mrs. Okun and I said, Mrs. Okun, for me, I don't like this calabula sort of things. So if this is what you are going to do, you can go without me. I took my bags and I was leaving the airport. Okay. So then Mrs. Okun, Mrs. Okun realized the seriousness of the issue and put his foot down. That the team that was announced, the team that should go. Why should 18 players come to the airport? Over the years, it's been said that because my, they said they won't take my brother, that's why, you know, as, as a captain, I would have fought for, for whoever this was given to me. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and therefore, when we left Accra, mm. there was, there was, there, there was uh, a split. The split hurt Ghana's chances at glory at her first ever World Cup. The hockey team lost 9-0 to Australia in the opening game in Kuala Lumpur. Ghana held that record as the team with the heaviest defeat at the Hockey World Cup for 35 years until South Africa broke it in 2010 
when they lost to Australia by 12 goals to zero. A new record was set when the Netherlands pummeled Chile to a humbling 14-0 in January 2023. Ghana recovered from that beating to lose 2-1 to Argentina and 3-2 to West Germany. In matches, history says Ghana should have won but for some contentious refereeing decisions in those games. After the two extra losses, the momentum they had garnered vanished. They went on to lose 6-1 to England and then 7-0 to India, finishing bottom of the group with no points. In the classification rounds, Ghana lost again to Poland and Argentina and that was where it ended for them. 12 teams at the World Cup, Ghana finished 12th, down and out. It must have been heart-wrenching for many of the players, but for Andy Sam, it was a different feeling. What I've always held, and um, that, and I always tell every young man who's prepared to listen to me, that there's a team objective, there's corporate objectives, but you must also have your own individual. And you must merge your individual objectives to fit into the team objectives. So with one stroke of action, you can fulfill the team objectives and fulfill so. And that's exactly what I did. I yeah. scored Ghana's, most of Ghana's goals. Mm-hmm. I scored, I think, five out of the six goals Ghana scored. Mm-hmm. And I was the third, third top scorer in the world. I scored most goals from outside, that penalty. Mm-hmm. So in, ter- in terms of uh, quality of goals, I scored better goals than everybody else. But I would have scored more if there hadn't been that kind of uh, jealousy and things in the background. Mm-hmm. Because there were times I feel that instances where even people didn't want me to get to, you know, uh, win the goal king or something like that. But for a team that was bottom, mm. and you have somebody who was one of the top scorers, yeah. it shows exactly how, what I mean by, you know, synchronizing your personal objectives with the team objectives. For me, it was a great tournament. Hockey in Ghana is considered a lesser-known sport. No one knows anyone who plays hockey. I could take a microphone around town and ask random people if they know of any hockey players, and no one would be able to guess. That is the kind of sports Andy Sam competed in. In his day, however, it was better. There was a bit more support given to the sport than now. One woman who took up hockey and made sure it stood in Ghana was Mrs. Theodosia Salomeoko. She was a teacher, but made her name as the woman who designed Ghana's national flag. She played a leading role in hockey in Ghana. She was the first female chair of the Ghana Hockey Association and served in a leading capacity for more than 20 years. It was during her illustrious tenure that Ghana won the Africa Championship and went to the World Cup in 1975. She was nicknamed the Joan of Arc of Ghana Hockey by Ohini Jan because she came in and saved the sport at the time when the men were faltering. She, she, she took me like a son. She, I mean, I was like a son to her. And she was, I mean, she loved me. She loved me so And she believed in me as well. She is an incredible lady. The history about that lady, you know, uh, I write, that's why I write a bit about her. Mm. Not only did she design the national flag, mm. 
But what she did was that it was because of her that hockey stadium, as a legacy she left us. Her husband was the cabinet secretary during Kwame Nkrumah's time. Okay. And therefore, she used, you know, those kind of um, contacts to be able to prevent... E.T. Mensah and all these people, when it was E.T. Mensah was a greater crowd mayor, he wanted to use the play for market. Captain Andy Sam has lived a full life. He grew up in Adabraka, not so far from the community's post office. The house he was born into was a compound house called Domiabra. As a boy, he would trek the graphic road to go to school at the Kentucky Primary School before he moved on to Kimbu. He did secondary education at a Disado College in Cape Coast, and that was where a lot of things changed for him. I went to Adisado, and that's when, you know, my potential was identified. Adisado has a tradition that every new year group that comes, they do what's called Hovus Race. And I won the Hovus Race that year in 1962. And straight away, that, was, that, 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 that put me in, 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 the, in, in the limelight. And from then on, I never looked back. I played hockey. By the time I was in Form 3, I played the senior team. I played cricket. By the time I was in Form 3, I was an athlete. I played, I played, uh, uh, I did athletics. On a two-day athletic weekend, I could do six, seven events. You know, 100, 200, 400 hurdles, you know, long jump, high jump, you know, you name it. Relays, I was, uh, I, I did almost everything. I played table tennis and I played a whole lot of, I was a gymnast as well. And I was also a member of the cadet corps. So I had a full and complete life. But the thing about I decided was why I decided. I remember when we were going to see the common entrance in 1962. My auntie, who was, was a teacher, came to help me. And when he came, he said, first choice, I started saddle. Second choice, I started saddle. Third choice, I started saddle. I said, hey, babe, why I decided? What if you don't get the first choice? I said, I'll get the first choice. You see, and now I look back and ask myself, is it foolish confidence or is it faith? It was as if that's the place where I was supposed to go. He was a sportsman through and through and always had a longing for it even when he had zero opportunities to participate in it. In 1968, he became national triple jump champion, a title he held dearly to his heart. But even when I won the national championship in 68, 68 was uh, Olympic Games in Mexico, which was the year that the place that Bob Beamon did a 29 foot, and it was high altitude. I was five feet away from the world record at the age of 18, but nobody cared. Five feet, one, two, three. That's how much I could have broken the world record. Nobody cared. I had to run, even to be noticed, I had to run away from school without as yet, at the risk of being expelled mm. to come and compete. And during the competition, they showed the exploits, my things, on uh, TV that night. And that night, school, Saturday night, was sports highlights. The whole school was watching. And there was me, A.K. Samadisado. Headmaster asked, where did this guy, who gave him permission to go? So when I came, everybody had packed my staff. They thought I was going to be sacked. After Adisado College, he went into the military, but with the sole aim of pursuing his dream to do sports. And that was arguably the only organization 
that gave opportunities to sportsmen back then. Shortly after entering the army, he departed to the United Kingdom to enroll at the Royal Military Academy Sandhurst. Sandhurst, Captain Sam says, were two of the most enjoyable years of his life. He finished as the best graduating student in his class, but it was also there, while he was playing football, that he caught the eye of Arsenal Football Club in 1972. I was, I also had an offer to play football with Arsenal. Mm. I got not the very common type of. In what year? 72. Mm. When I was in military college. Okay. In the two years, I, I mean, I scored about two goals per game. Mm. So the last day that, and my coach was a former Chelsea pro, pro and he told us no. So they came and watched me. The last day they came there, I scored four goals. I think we won 5-1 or something like that. And then they asked me to come down to London. And I said, I'm a military person. I've finished my tour. I have to go. So I was good at football, not only football. And I was good at athletics as you, well. Did you regret that decision? No, it wasn't me. The military would not allow me. Okay. Even when I came back to Ghana, Armed Forces team, I was the captain. We had Adansi, mm. we had Tete Chandu, mm. we had Joe Gatti mm. in the team. And then we had one or two of the SS74, Otia Kente. Yeah. I was the captain of the team and I was scoring goals. And Adansi and Joe Gatti and Tete Chandu, we were all House of Folk. They wanted to call into House of Folk that House of Folk should sign me. Mm. The military said officers don't play football. Sam was an all rounder. He didn't just cut his teeth on the hockey pitch, he was a cricketer as well and played with a renowned lawyer, Chachuchikata. He later became vice-captain of Ghana's national cricket team and was one of the only players to be selected from Ghana to join the all-West African team for the Cricket World Cup in 1981. When Andy Sam got back from Sandhurst in 1972, he described that as one of the hardest times of his life. Imagine getting the best form of education in your profession, finishing top of your class, graduating as best in the year, only to return to your country to become a security man. That was the point Sam was in his life. Remember that the military had just come out of the 66 school, all right? And I went to Sanus in 1970 and I came back in 72. When I came back in 72, I came back in April, and uh, uh, General Champon had done his school in January. Okay, so I came into a military sort of uh, country, governed country, mm. and it wasn't the best for somebody who wanted to be, you know, a strictly military professional. It wasn't, you know, I mean, I came back, I won many prizes at the military college. I was probably voted as probably the best overseas student who ever attended that college at the time in 1972. And there were many people who had gone there. I mean, you look at Bas Joy, you look at many great people who had been there before mm -hmm. and to be regarded in that sort of thing. And some of the reports are in the book as well. You know, it's not me who is saying it. Mm -hmm. Some of the reports are in the book as well. So you come back, I, it was a complete letdown, personally for me, mm -hmm. because I look at the place where I've been. I look at I've been served with the British Army in Germany. I look at served with the U.S. Army. I look at having been to Cyprus and uh, you know all those things, and I come back and I, I am guarding the airport. I'm guarding Pedrosi Lodge. I'm guarding all these places. You know, uh, come on! I won prizes in in military college, 
for military operation tactics and things like that. Here I am. I am just a watchman. It was a letdown. He went through all those years, though. During the AFRC coup of 1979, he had become a target for the new government. By 1981, he was gone. Sam later returned to handle Ashanti Gold Football Club after Sam Jonah had asked him many times. That job was one of Sam's trying moments as a sportsman. Ashanti Gold was Ghana's third force after Asante Kotoko and Accra had Savok. They had everything no other club had. Their own stadium, quarters for players, training pitches and many others. They were the club to be at and Sam gave them a new lift when he was CEO. He made some big money signings too. It, was, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. I mean, for those of us who have lived overseas to come back on the diaspora, there are so many contexts that we don't understand, and that's where I found myself, you know. And I walked into this kind of courtroom, and the first thing that I was asked when I met the supporters was that, uh, we hear you are a Christian, but I want to want to ask you whether you would do juju uh, and things. That's the f- first time I met, and honestly, that hit me. That took me aback, and and that was the precursor of a whole lot of my problems that I had there. You know, because you know. These juju things and things like that, it is a way, a means of people using it to make money for themselves. It was very, very tough because they sent me to several mountains. Mm. That, was, that was another hard time. Very, very, the most difficult time I've experienced in my life. What was your best signing at Ashgold? Oh, many. But I doubt that says, you know, you made a difference in his life. You know, so I signed him, I signed Timba from Kowin. Uh, uh, and then Polo, then Richard Iwa. I signed also uh, James O. Mm. I signed also Meriba. Mm. What's what his name? Uh, Joe Hendricks. Joe Hendricks, you know. So, you know, so I, I signed, you know, some, some, some really uh, good players. Sam's children took after him. His first son works with top football organizations after hanging up his boots and his most popular son, Lloyd, played for Charlton Athletic in the Premier League, Leeds United and the New York Red Bulls before he retired. He also played twice for the Black Stars. Captain Andy Sam's career is illustrious. He played hockey at the highest level and played with people you probably have never thought had held hockey sticks in their lives. Professor Mills was also, I mean, we, we call him Fifi, that's how we know him. And Fifi Atta Mills was uh, also chairman of the veterans hockey, president of the veterans hockey team. So you can tell that he was somebody who was well known. And one of the things that he did was that every year, every six months, all right, he will invite us to the castle. He will, he will probably have a day out and invite his hockey people, he invites uh, his classmates. 
and a full of strokes. And when he comes, he will tell about his guys. Even when he comes to occupation, he tell, look, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm among my friends. Please go and sit somewhere and leave me alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And he was that. He was the one who tried to get me to come back to Canada many years ago. As the conversation winded down, I felt a tinge of happiness within. An accomplished man who spoke to me with so much respect and decorum taught me many things. Sam is a modest man. Lately, he goes about his days speaking at symposiums, seminars and workshops and also helps young footballers achieve their dreams. He has a strong relationship with God and mentions the Almighty in every conversation. Captain retired Andy Sam, national triple jump champion in 1968 at only 19 years, African hockey champion for Ghana in 1974, vice captain of the national cricket team, athlete, footballer, and so much more, an absolute legend of Ghanaian sports. Thank you for making time to listen to yet another episode of The Haymaker. This episode was produced and presented by me, Yalfusulabi, and edited by Joseph Agri.